Let's turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Christmas is the time when we specially celebrate the fact that 2,000 years ago, God came to the earth in the person of Jesus Christ. It's stunning when you stop to think about it. God came to the earth in the person of Jesus. And to help us think, understand, study this, we're going to be looking at John's Gospel, chapter 1. This is John's version of the Christmas story. Now, Pastor Ben mentioned last week that John has a very different perspective, different emphasis on the Christmas story than Matthew did or Luke did in their Gospels. Matthew and Luke tend to focus on the story of Jesus' birth. Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, the angels. Matthew and Luke focus on the the story, but John has a different emphasis. Same truth, same Jesus, same beautiful plan of salvation, but different emphasis. So I'd like to start by raising the question from verses 1 through 5, what does John emphasize in these verses? Let's review what we covered last week, and that'll set the stage for this week's passage. So what does John emphasize in verses 1 through 5? First of all, in verses 1 through 3, John introduces Jesus as the Word, the Word that fully displays who God is. Look at verses 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, as Ben mentioned last week, we need to ask, who is the word? And John answers that in verse 14. Read verse 14. John writes and says, the word became flesh. So we know that the word is Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So the word described in verses 1 through 3 is Jesus. So think about Jesus lying in the manger, and think about the fact that before Jesus took on human flesh, before he was born as a baby, in eternity past, here's what was true about Jesus. He had always been from the beginning with, with, with he, there's, he'd never not been. He'd always been with God the Father, and he had always been himself fully God, and all things were created through him. So think about Jesus before he took on human flesh, before he became a man, in eternity past, with God, fully God, no beginning, all things created through him. And then think about Mary holding the baby. That's Jesus, the Word. The Word became flesh. Amazing. Then, in John 4, John shows us that Jesus is the life which gives us light. Look at verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We all want life. We all want pleasure, peace, joy, beauty, 
Every one of us here this morning wants life. And the truth is that Jesus is the life we're seeking. Here's how this works. Jesus, as God, shines with the light of God's glory. And when we see the light of God's glory shining in Jesus and enjoy and worship the light of God's glory shining in Jesus, we are filled with the life we've been looking for. Think about it like this. See if this helps. Um, Think of the last time you saw a sunset over the ocean. It's sun's going down. There's clouds there. There's orange and pink and purple and red clouds. The sun's going down. These rays are shining. Think of the, the majestic beauty that you're seeing there. Now, multiply that by a million, and Jesus' glory, the life, the light of Jesus' glory, far surpasses multiplying that by a million. That's what we're talking about here. When we know Jesus When we love Jesus, when we worship his glory, God's glory shining through Jesus, when we know and love and worship Jesus, we are filled with the life we've been longing for. But in verse 5, we see that there's a problem. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So there's not just Jesus who is the light who gives us life, there's also darkness. There's light versus darkness, two realms. The light of Jesus' glory shining, that is our life, but then there's the realm of darkness, our sin, Satan, resisting the light, rejecting the light, seeking to overcome the light. Now, how can we tell which realm we're in? Every one of us this morning is either in light or we're in darkness. Everyone. There's no gray. There's no in between. Each one of us, either light or darkness. So how could you tell if you are in the light? I just listed a couple of ways that the scripture describes we can tell if we're in the light. You can tell you're in the light if you are trusting Jesus' death to pay for your sins and his righteousness to cover you so that you can be accepted and loved by God. That's one way you can tell you're in the light. You're you're trusting Jesus' death. Are you trusting Jesus' death this morning? You can tell you're in the light if you're fighting against the sin that's trying trying to pull you into darkness. We've all faced that this week. We've all faced that this morning, right? Are we fighting the sin that's seeking to pull us into darkness? We can tell we're in the light if we're gathering with other believers, like this morning, to worship and to praise and to exalt Jesus. We're in the light. You're in the light if you're loving other people and forgiving people for the sake of Jesus. If you're loving and forgiving for Christ's sake, you're in the light. And if you're spending time in fellowship with Jesus, if you love waking up and opening up the scriptures and praying and worshiping him and seeking his face, that shows that you're in the light. So those are clues that show us that we're in the light, but we also need to look at clues that would show us that, that we're in the darkness. And if you conclude that you're in the darkness, we're going to end with good news for you this morning. But here's how you could tell if you're in the darkness. If you're ignoring the truth of Jesus and living as if there was no God, well, then, then you're in darkness. If you're believing that there's a God, but, 
that you are relying on your own goodness to gain favor from God, that's darkness. If you're yielding to the sin which is trying to pull you into darkness, if, if you're hurting and not forgiving others, if, if you have no interest in spending time with the Lord Jesus, those would all be indicators that you're in, in the darkness. So there's, there's light, Jesus' light, shining God's glory in Jesus who is God, and then there's, there's darkness. Now, in John chapter 3, we learn that, that all of us, every single one of us in this room, started off in the darkness. We all started off loving the darkness rather than the light. So it's light versus darkness. But notice the good news in verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Even though Satan and sin has rejected the light, wants to resist the light, seeking to overcome the light, the darkness cannot, will never overcome the light. That's the good news. But now God wants us to have the light. We all were born, we all started off loving the darkness more than the light. God wants to give us the joy of beholding his glory, beholding his light. So what does God do? to give us the light, to bring us to the light. Look at what John tells us in verses 6 through 9. This is so encouraging. Verse 6, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now, this is a different John than the John who wrote this gospel. John the Apostle wrote the gospel. This John is John the Baptist. So there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He, John the Baptist, came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, John the Baptist was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, Jesus, which gives light to everyone, shines God's light so everybody can see, he, Jesus, was coming into the world. So God sent a man named John into the world, John the Baptist, to be a witness of the light. Now, now think about how powerful it is to have a witness. I tried to think of an illustration. Here's the best I could come up with. Let's say that you're at Yaz Mall Christmas shopping, and it's getting towards dinner time, and you're, you're hungry, and you're thinking, let's, let's just stop in at a restaurant and get something to eat. So you, you see a restaurant right nearby, you walk up to it, but then you start to wonder, is this a good restaurant? What if the food's terrible? Should we, should we eat at this restaurant or not? You wouldn't be sure. But think of how that would change if right while you were there in your indecision, somebody walks out of the restaurant smiling. And they just say, I just have to tell you that this food is amazing in here. This is like, I think, the best food I've ever eaten. I mean, everybody should eat in this restaurant. What would you do? You'd go into the restaurant. The difference a witness makes. And God sent John the Baptist to be a witness of the light. That's what God has done for us. So, so picture all of humanity in the darkness, turning our backs on the light of God, turning our attention towards the darkness, rejecting the darkness, walking away from the darkness. There's all of humanity, and John the Baptist is sent by God. And he says, listen, Jesus is the life you're all looking for. 
Jesus is the life and the joy and the beauty and the peace that you've been seeking all your lives. Listen, his death, he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. His death will completely forgive you before God. His power will change you so that you become closer and closer and closer to God. And knowing him will fill you to overflowing with the joy that you've longed for all your life. I've experienced this. Jesus is the light. God sent John to be a witness of the light. So can you see from this how much God loves us? We all started off in darkness, turning our backs on God, walking away from Jesus. We all started off in darkness, but God sent John to be a witness of the light of Jesus. And if we were living back in John's time, we could have listened to his witness, seen his witness, heard his witness ourselves personally. But now that we are here in 2018, we can read about John's witness in God's word. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We can read about the witness of John. So because God loves us so much, he sent John to be a witness of Jesus. So how did people respond? Next question. And the answer is, not well. Look at verses 10 and 11. Start with verse 10. This is shocking. Verse 10, he, speaking of Jesus, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Now think about this. God didn't just send John the Baptist into the world as a witness. God sent Jesus himself. God in the flesh. God came to the world in the person of Jesus. Jesus was in the world. And so the whole world could see Jesus teaching thousands. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? And when he spoke, there was authority, there was clarity teaching us about who God is, how we've sinned against God, what God has done to let us be forgiven and brought back to him, what life means trusting God. Jesus spoke to thousands. He was in the world. Not only did he speak to, to throngs of people, but there were times when Jesus would welcome an individual child onto his lap, pray for this little, seemingly insignificant little one. So he's got celebrity status, but he's praying for individual children. Jesus, with his authority and supernatural power, freed people from evil spirits, people who were horribly oppressed, harassed, harmed by Satan and his demons. And Jesus, with the word, said, get out. And the demons would flee and leave that person. And people could see that. Jesus raised a widow's only son from the dead. Imagine being a widow with one son who's died. And Jesus raises him from the dead. And all of humanity, all who were there could see Jesus going to the cross to pay for our sins, know that Jesus rose from the dead, conquering sin and Satan and darkness. So see, Jesus was in the world. He was in the world. Not only that, John says the world was made through him. He didn't just show up to some foreign place he'd never known anything about before. He made the world. He was coming to what was made through him. So the earth was made through him. You were made through him. Everybody sitting around you was made through him. Every nation, tongue, and tribe, all people were made through Jesus. So even though Jesus was in the world, 
and the world was made through him, tragically, the world did not know him, refused to know him. The world's turned its back on him. And there's more, verse 11. He, Jesus, came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Okay, who were Jesus' own people? This is the people of Israel, right? The nation of Israel. And for hundreds, a couple thousand years, they'd heard prophecies of Jesus coming, just like Hardis mentioned this morning from the book of Micah. They knew that the Messiah was coming and that he would be born in Bethlehem. They knew that he would be born of a virgin. They knew that he would heal the blind and the deaf and the lame in Isaiah. They knew that he would preach good news. They knew that he would die on the cross to pay for sins. They knew that he would rise from the dead. All those were prophesied in the Old Testament. The people of Israel knew who the Messiah was going to be. They knew what the prophets had said about him. But just like the rest of us, they loved the darkness rather than the light. And they would not know him. They turned from him. They did not receive him. So what does John want us to be sensing? Here we are, we've come to the end of verse 11. So from verses 1 to 11, where's John moving us? What's his train of thought? What's his flow of thought? And here's what I think is going on. John wants us to be gripped by these truths. First of all, Jesus is, was fully God, the light of the world, and our life, and that all things were created through him. It's first of all, that's Jesus. That's who Jesus is. Then John wants us to understand God sent John the Baptist to bear witness of Jesus to show that he is the life that we're looking for and that Jesus came into the world showing us his life and light but that we've turned from him and that Jesus came to his own people, the people of Israel, who knew all the prophecies and they rejected him. Now, it sounds pretty bleak at this point in John chapter 1, because we could think at this point, has God's plan failed? I mean, everyone's rejecting Jesus. Reject, 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 turn away, no, 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 no. The world says no, the people of Israel say no. Has God's plan failed? And the answer is no. Look at verses 12 and 13. This is amazing. But... To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of a man, of man, but of God. So even though the world, John says in verse 10, refused to know him, and even though his own people, we saw in verse 11, rejected him, there were many, there are many, who receive him and believe in him. And in verse 12, John says that everyone who receives Jesus and believes in his name becomes a child of God. Now, that might puzzle some of you. You might be thinking, well, now, wait a minute. I thought we all were children of God. Aren't we all to be children of God? Isn't that who we all are? And, and the answer is no. We're not all children of God. We were created 
to have God as our Father. We were created to be God's children, to be loved by God, cared for by God, guided by God. We, we were created to have God as our Father who provided for us, who filled us with his joy, who comforted us when we were sad. We were created to have God as our Father, but by loving the darkness, by turning from God to the darkness, we've sinned against God. And God is just, and he must punish sin. So our sin has disqualified us from being children of God. Because of our sin, God cannot in his justice be our father. He must instead be our, be our judge. So instead of being children of God, which is what we were created to be, we're, we're, like, we're like orphans on the street. This is the tragic situation, and, and this may be where some of you are. Some of you right now are, are, are not children of God. We, we all were there. Again, I've got good news coming. But think of what it would be like to, to not be a child of God, to not have God as your father, to be like, like an orphan in the street. No one loving you, no father to care for you, to protect you, to guide you, to, to provide for you, to, to comfort you, to, to satisfy you, to fill you. You are just on your own. And that's the, the situation that we were all in. But all those who receive Jesus and who believe in his name become children of God. So here's another question I want, want you to ask yourself. Have you received Jesus? Have you received Jesus? Not have you been baptized, because you know you can be baptized and not receive Jesus. Um, not do you try to be a good person. You can try to be a good person and not, not receive Jesus. Not, not do you go to church. You can go to church and not receive Jesus. You can do all those things and not receive Jesus. Jesus, but receiving Jesus means welcoming all of who Jesus is into your life. All of who you are, Jesus. I want you. Which especially includes welcoming him into your life as your Savior, as your Lord, and as your all-satisfying treasure. So ask yourself, honestly, have you received Jesus into your life as your Savior? the one who died to pay for your sins and who you are trusting to forgive you before God and make you right before God. Are, are you trusting Jesus? Have you welcomed him, received him as your savior? Have you received, welcomed Jesus as your Lord? The one who you know has rightful authority, 100% authority over you. He made you. So you are gladly surrendering every part of your life to him and seeking to obey him in every part of your life? Have you received Jesus, welcomed Jesus as your Lord? And then have you received and welcomed Jesus as your treasure, knowing that it is in his presence alone that you'll have fullness of joy, that he is your life, that he's the one you turn to when you are sad or when you are feeling empty or when you are discouraged, and that he is the one you love more than anything else in the world. Have you received Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, 
and as your treasure to as many as received him. He gave the right to become children of God. And who believed in his name. Now, receiving Jesus and believing in his name are not two separate things. Like, first you do one, then you got to do the other. They're two different ways of talking about the same heart reality, but it's helpful to distinguish them because they bring out different nuances. So ask yourself, are you believing in his name? Now, how could you tell if you were believing in Jesus' name? Here's an illustration I thought of. See if this works. So imagine this big, steep, high wall in front of you, the, the wall of life. There's this wall of life there. And you need to climb the wall of life. And it's too steep. It's too tall for you to climb up by yourself. And then you see all these ropes hanging down. And each rope is labeled. Okay, here, here's a rope of, of self-righteousness, being a really good person. Here's a, a rope of money. Here's a rope of popularity. Here's a rope of alcohol. Here's a rope of sexual pleasure. Here's a rope of vacations. So all these different ropes. But, but you look at these ropes are all kind of spindly. They're all kind of fraying. They're kind of weak. You're not like, is this really going to hold me up or not? But then, oh, you look over here. Oh, here's a, a big rope. Here's a thick rope. This is the rope. It's labeled Jesus. So the question is, how can you tell if you are believing in the name of Jesus? How can you tell? It, it's, it's easy. Ask, which rope are you clinging to? Which rope are you clinging to? So let's say, for example, when you start to feel guilty about doing something wrong, what rope do you cling to? Do you cling to, well, I, I, I told the truth yesterday, and I've been going to church every Friday here like for a long time. Are you clinging to the rope of your own goodness, or are you clinging to, Jesus, I've done wrong, but I'm clinging to you. Forgive me. Your death on the cross pays for sin. I'm trusting you. Who are you clinging to? What do you cling to when you've done wrong? When you feel insecure, I mean, ask yourself honestly, what do you cling to when you feel insecure? Let me just check my bank account again. See, it's like, hopefully, oh, yikes. No, you're looking to it for good news. Anyway, check your bank account. Or, well, I've got this career. Or, my CV looks like this. Or, I've got all these friends. Or when you feel insecure, are you clinging to Jesus? Jesus, I trust you. You love me. You died for me. You rose again. You're my God. You're going to keep me all the way to heaven. You're my security. Are you clinging to Jesus when you feel insecure? Or what do you cling to when you feel empty? I just, I just need, I need some life. I got to find something that's going to excite me. So what do you, like rugby, you know, or food, or oh, I mean, this vacation's coming up. It's going to be awesome. Nothing wrong with rugby or food or vacations, but, except when you cling to them. Don't cling to them, okay? Or are you clinging to Jesus? Jesus, you are my treasure. When I'm empty, you are the only one who can fully satisfy me now. I'm clinging to you. So the way you can tell if you're believing in Jesus' name is by asking, what are you clinging to throughout the day? What do you cling to throughout your life? To as many as received him and who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's what God did. So all those, verse 12 says, all who receive Jesus, all who believe in his name, become children of God. Wonderful news. I mean, that means you're forgiven for your sins. God's power is changing you. You have him as your father. All who receive Jesus and believe in his name, believe in Jesus' name, that's what they experience. And this raises another question, and that is how 
do people change so they receive and believe in Jesus? How does that happen? We were all loving the darkness last time I looked. We were all rejecting John the Baptist's witness and Jesus' own witness last time we looked. How do people change so they receive and believe in Jesus? The answer is in verse 13. Read, read both verse, verses 12 and 13 to get the whole flow of thought. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but who were born of God. What happened to these people to change them is that they were born of God. They were not just born naturally, man and a woman having sexual relations, conception takes place, a baby's born. That's what's referred to with not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. So these people who received Jesus, believed in his name, weren't just born naturally from a man and a woman. They were also born supernaturally from God. Read verse 13 again to see that. Who were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, natural birth, but who were born supernaturally of God. So how can someone who loves the darkness come to the place where they receive Jesus and believe in his name? The answer is by being born of God. That's what has to happen. Here's what this means. God looks down upon humanity. Everyone is loving the darkness. No one's loving the light. Everyone is refusing to seek their life in Jesus. And because of that, all of humanity deserve God's punishment forever. But in great mercy and costly, costly love, here's what God did. And I, I say it's costly love because to do this, he needed to send his son, Jesus, to the cross. His son needed to be punished for sin. His son needed to suffer and die on the cross. So this is God's costly love, his astonishing mercy. In great love, costly mercy, at the cost of his own son dying on the cross, God supernaturally birthed new heart, new nature in a vast number of people that no one can count, the book of Revelation says, from every nation and tongue and tribe. This is what God does. Great mercy, costly mercy through Jesus' death. He births supernaturally a new heart, a new nature in a vast number of people. Now, what does it feel like to have this, this new heart, new nature birthed in you? See if this helps you understand. So like one day... You're just like not interested in Jesus. One day you're interested in, in football, you're interested in, in pizza, you're interested in you know, working, you're interested in money, you know, what's on TV. Jesus, just not interested. That's what's true one day. But, but then the next day, someone walks up to you and, and shares the good news of Jesus with you. And as they are sharing, God changes you. He births a new heart, gives you new eyes to see Jesus, gives you a new spirit which sees, why am I loving the darkness? That's never been life to me. And for the first time you see with the eyes of your heart, Jesus, Jesus, you are glorious. You are real. You are majestic. You are powerful. You are beautiful. You are true. 
until for the first time your eyes are opened and you see, Jesus, you are light. You are the life I've been looking for all my life. And then you see that, oh, my, I, used to, I was loving the darkness. That was so wrong of me. How could I have turned my back on Jesus and loved the darkness? And you, you hate your sin and you see that your sin deserves God's judgment forever. But then the friend who's telling you the good news of Jesus tells you that Jesus died to pay for sin and you can be completely forgiven for all of your sin and God's power will change you and give you faith just like he's changing you right now. And so you turn to Jesus and you trust Jesus And at that moment, you know that you are a child of God and you know that God has birthed a new heart in you. You've been born of God. He's given you a new nature which sees and loves and trusts Jesus, which is why you turned to him. Who were born? Who were born? Not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God which means that now you have God as your father. You're a child of God. The God of the universe loves you. Oh, I mean, you are loved. Maybe that person doesn't love you. Maybe that person doesn't love you. Oh, but listen, God, God loves you. That is just, makes all the difference, doesn't it? God loves you. He's your father. He is committed to you. He's going to keep you all the way to heaven. He's going to guide every decision you make. He's going to provide everything you need. When you're sad, he will comfort you. When you're weak, he will strengthen you. When you're empty, he will satisfy you. God is your father. What amazing, costly mercy he's done in sending Jesus to die, pay for our sins, so he could bring about the new birth in our lives. So what does this mean for us? I'll give you five takeaways, okay? So just pick which one of these. I don't expect you to remember all five of them. Just pick which one you especially need to take away this morning. Five takeaways. Here's one. First one. Look at how loving and merciful God is. That's one thing John wants us to walk away with from these first 12 verses. Look at who God is. First 13 verses. Look at, look at God's love and mercy. John the Baptist is a witness. Jesus himself came. We all love the darkness rather than the light. At great cost to himself, he births new hearts into people, a vast number that no one can count from every nation, tongue, and tribe. Look at God's loving mercy. And I just want to tell you, you can trust a God who loves this much. If this is the cost that God is willing to incur to love and make us into children of God, you can trust him for your work situation. You can trust him for your health fears and concerns. You can trust him for your future. You can trust him for your children. You can trust him. With that love, you can trust him. And if you're not yet trusting Jesus with that love, don't you want to come to him? Wouldn't you want to have him as your father? That's who he is. That's the first takeaway. Look at how loving and merciful God is. Second, I want you to ask yourself some honest questions before you go today. Have you received Jesus? To them that received him, have you received him? Have you received Jesus as your savior? Have you laid aside all self-righteousness and said, my only hope is Jesus shed blood and perfect righteous life that he lived? It's my only hope. Have you received him as your savior? Have you received him as your Lord? 
I'm not perfect, Lord Jesus, but I want to be freed from every sin. I hate my sin. Help me. Every area is laid down before him. Have you received him as your treasure? You're my joy. You're my hope. You're my life. Have you received him as your Savior, Lord, and treasure? And are you believing in him? Is is he the rope that you're clinging to throughout your day? If so, you've been born of God. God's put a new heart in you, a new spirit in you. You're completely forgiven, and you have him as your father. But ask yourself, have you received Jesus? And are you believing in his name? For some of you, there's no more important question you need to ponder. Maybe take some time this afternoon and think about that. Third, if you see that you haven't received Jesus and aren't believing in him, receive Jesus and believe in him right now. Don't wait for God to, okay, God, where's the the heart change? That's not what Jesus tells us to do. Jesus says, turn from the darkness and trust me. You see who I am? You've heard this morning who Jesus is. He says, turn from your darkness and trust me. That's what Jesus says. So turn from your darkness. Put your trust in Jesus. When you do, he will pour out forgiveness upon you. He will start to change your heart. He'll fill you with joy. And you'll look back and say, God birthed new life in me. That's why I turned to Jesus and turned away from the darkness. So don't wait. Turn from the darkness right now and put your trust in Jesus. You'll leave here a child of God. Amazing. Fourth, tell people this good news. Who can you share this with this afternoon, tomorrow, at work this coming week? Jesus is our life. We've all loved the darkness. God sent Jesus, died on the cross so that we could be changed Turn from the darkness. Put your trust in him. You'll be forgiven. You'll be a child of God. This is what we heard in church Friday morning. It's the best news in the world. I've experienced this. I long for this for you. Tell people the good news. And then fifth, cling to Jesus as your life and trust God as your father. Christmas can be a hard season. I mean, there's, there's just the, the busyness level added stress, trying to get stuff done. And then there can be be sorrow level. There can be loneliness Christmas. There can be sadness over past Christmases, which maybe have been painful. There's lots of reasons that Christmas can be a hard season. And I want to encourage you, don't let this Christmas season make you too busy. Don't let this Christmas season be a time where where you're, you're just grieving. Instead, Make time where you come and you bow down with the shepherds and the wise men at the manger. And you join them. You carve out extra time to worship Jesus Christ. You read what Matthew wrote about Jesus' birth, what Luke wrote about Jesus' birth. You reread this passage about Jesus' birth and you worship Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who's come to save us from our sins. So meet Jesus at the manger this Christmas season. Don't let busyness get in the way. Don't let past sad Christmases get in the way. Go right to the manger and worship. Let me pray this over us. Lord, I pray for your power to come upon each of us here right now and that we would hear exactly what you have for us, what our hearts need to hear. Would you come and do that now, Lord? I pray in Jesus' name. Pour out your grace. I pray, Lord, for for any here who are not yet receiving Jesus and believing in Jesus' name.
Lord, I ask that right now you'd bring your power upon them and that they would turn from darkness right now and cling to Jesus, welcome Jesus into their lives. And Lord, those who aren't sure if they have received Jesus, if they're believing in Jesus, Lord, that they would just turn from darkness and receive Jesus right now and cling to Jesus right now and that you would pour out your fatherly love and affection upon them. And we worship you, Jesus Christ, for coming into the world so that we could be saved. We worship and we honor you. In Jesus' name.